Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories, seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hello again, moms. Welcome to part two of Meet My Man. Today, we are going to pick up the story where we left off last time sharing our story arc of God's faithfulness in our marriage journey, and we'll pick that up right after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. But look around you, your family, your faith, they're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up. It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung hero of for King and Country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Okay, last time at the end, I reviewed the example that we have in the biblical narrative of Abraham. And you know, if you listen to this podcast for any length of time, how much I love God and His Word and the rawness of Scripture and the characters that He wove into that narrative for our good and our encouragement. And one of my favorites, of course, I say that about everyone, is the story narrative of Abraham. We pick up the story of Abraham when God asked him to do what in comparison to what he was asked to do the rest of his life seems awfully simple. And that was the first act of faith that God asked Abraham to do was to leave where he was living and go to a place that he would show him. And it says in Scripture that Abraham went. And then we skip forward in the story and God enters into and initiates a covenant with Abraham. And then we, by promising Abraham the son of promise when Abraham didn't have any children. And then we have, we fast forward and Abraham and Sarah get into this conundrum thinking that maybe God forgot or maybe we can help God out. And so you have the whole Ishmael situation. And God very clearly says, yeah, I know that's not how I plan to do this. And then a few years later, you actually they were actually blessed with the son of promise in Isaac. 
And so you're thinking, oh, this is awesome. Finally, the son of promise. And then a few years later, you have what most of us think of is the climax of Abraham's faith story and his journey when God comes to Abraham and asks him to take Isaac, his son, his only son, and offer him as a sacrifice. Now, so often we read Abraham's story, maybe over in Hebrews 11, and we're just like, he was such a great man of faith. But we forget that Abraham's, like ours, is a journey of faith. Abraham's story didn't begin sacrificing his son. It began with the first thing that God asked him to do, to leave the land that he knew, to go to a place that God would show him. And in so doing, he began his own faith journey. So what I've wanted to do in this Meet My Man episode, last we had the first part last time and now the second part today, I've wanted to share with you our faith journey, again, hoping to challenge you and inspire you to consider your own walk with God and to see His faithfulness and His patience and His kindness toward you. Last time we told you we've been married for 36 years, and we told maybe the first half of our story. Davis, I don't know if that's going to end up being true, but I wanted to pick up today with some of the things that happened as a result of our stepping into home education, a journey we never thought we would take. But we stepped into home education. We also ended up changing the way we thought about children in the process of that, too, because when we first started homeschooling, we only had the first three of our seven. That's right. A lot more kids came after we started our homeschooling journey as God literally changed our hearts on that topic towards having more children and seeing them as a blessing. So there were a couple of other things that really changed when we brought the kids home to home educate in terms of discipleship. It it was different. We weren't putting kids on the bus now. They're at the house now. I'm thinking of a couple of things specifically, but what would you say were a couple of things that happened to you in terms of being the father? Now that the kids are home, they're not gone How did that change for you? Well, I always had a heart for fatherhood. I always looked forward to being a dad. And and so even though it seems like it shouldn't have been as difficult a decision to have more than three kids because of that, but I live in modern ages too and hear the typical messages that two or three is plenty and all you need to have. But when God changed my heart and changed your heart, and we were open to having as many kids as God would bring, there was this new sense of walking by faith even as a father, where I wasn't going to be setting all the plans, and God was going to be doing that for us. So it created a different kind of excitement and a different kind of responsibility, where I was like, wow, okay, I've always wanted to be a dad. Now I am, and we're homeschooling. What can I do to be involved and be really intentional as a father? Mm-hmm. So one of the uh, one of the best things we did that we both would agree on is we made family worship an integral part mm-hmm. of our family routine and yeah. lifestyle. Uh, sure, there were days we missed, uh, just like there were, as I like to say, there were days I didn't brush my kids' teeth when I right. when I should have. <laughs> but you know what? We, as a general rule, my kids would say they brushed their teeth. Yeah. Similarly with family worship, although we didn't have a perfect record, 
it was what our kids would consider something that was naturally part of what we did in the Carmen family household. Uh, But it changed many times. There were times when it was early in the morning before I left for work. Mm -hmm. There were times when it was in the evening before uh, we went to bed. Uh, Then when I came home and worked out of a home office, it was a little easier to incorporate Mm -hmm. because we could do it in the routine of the day. We didn't have to do it at an hour that was hard for the kids. And so that set God as the priority. Mm Uh, his word, uh, falling in love with God, uh, walking by faith and mm-hmm. trusting him, it, it set him up as a big, holy, glorious, almighty God uh, that stretched our faith mm-hmm. and grew that of our kids. Yeah, it set the focus for the day as his glory and his honor, but it also framed the day. So everything that we were going to do or participate in that day um, it it just it changed the way that we looked at everything that we faced. So for a lot of people, when you talk about family worship, people imagine that you're some great guitar player or piano player or excellent singer. So talk talk to the audience about what did family worship look like at the Carmen house? I, was it I, fancy? No, it was it was pretty simple. It was pretty basic, uh, and I'll even you know say say this for, for the musicians out there. I uh, know three notes, and I carry them in a bucket. So <laughs> I'm not a singer, and I I played the piano as a young kid, and then you know changed that as quickly as I could to play basketball okay. when uh, that time came. So I'm not uh, very musically inclined. But uh, even what we would talk about mm-hmm. uh, was pretty short and simple. We mm-hmm. read the Bible, said a prayer, sang some songs, mm-hmm. uh, and thank goodness for you on that, and and then uh, got on our knees yeah. to pray. That was probably yeah, one of the most moving pieces of it, is we would all literally get on our knees, and we'd say a prayer to wrap it up. Yeah, That, that movement... Uh, also spoke something to our kids. I think so too. And I, even now, especially now maybe, as they're all gone, I think that that is something that still resonates with them. So I, I think the other thing that you did as a dad that was really helpful in terms of discipleship, and I think, I think home education lent to this in a, in a unique way, although it, it would still be necessary, I believe, if you don't have your kids at home to educate them. But that is the issue in the area of daily responsibilities for the kids. Oh, yeah. Every, every year, you and I would be looking at the uh, responsibility list. We'd be saying, okay, everybody's a year older. Now who needs to move from the you know sweeping and mopping to the filling the dishwasher right. to the trash to the recycle to the mowing the yard? Right. And so there was this, to some degree, the kids uh, looked forward to some of the bigger responsibilities they might have in the progression, but it you know it's still chores, and there was this attitude adjustment that we'd have to help our kids in terms of, hey, it's trash day, let's <laughs> be excited about this, and the the thing that can be hard as a parent is making it enjoyable. Now, my kids joke about you know. Uh, trash and recycle day being my favorite day of the week because I, I did I just loved you know getting rid of all the trash out of the house. Everybody has some. Um, so I I enjoyed that and I don't think my kids enjoyed it as much as I did. But I didn't 
I had to follow my kids around the house and make it a relational bonding experience and Mm -hmm. not just a task. Right. And so responsibilities create this great opportunity for that Mm -hmm. to where you can just spend time with your kids doing the chores around the house, doing the dishes, uh, listening to music maybe while you're doing something. Uh, So there's lots of ways to make it enjoyable. And as a dad, I, I... I really enjoyed doing some things, including projects. There were mm-hmm. projects I've made more for the relational bonding that would occur than for the actual project itself. So we, at this point in our faith journey that we're trying to describe, we're 10 years into home educating our kids. We've established some pretty good daily rhythms with responsibilities and worship, right? And we're going along, and we slam into, I'm going to call it like the next stake in the ground. So Ohio was its own stake in the ground with the with the fire and the three relocations in three years. Now we're in Charlotte, and we hit home education. That's like the second stake. And this is like the third one, okay? You end up unemployed at the top of your game. Let's pick up the story right there after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Okay, so I was raised in Dallas-Fort Worth uh, with the Dallas Cowboys, and you know that I was a huge Cowboy fan for years, and One of the comparisons that you make to your unemployment story is related to one of the coaches at the Dallas Cowboys. You want to tell everybody that comparison? Right. So if you uh, remember in the 90s when the Cowboys won two Super Bowls in a row under Coach Jimmy Johnson, what happened to him? He got fired at the top of his game. Unthinkable. That is how this unemployment smacked us. I mean, you were on top of your game. You had grown this small company. You had helped them expand in more than a couple of ways. And it was, we would like to meet with you. And right. oh so, my goodness. Yeah, so I had worked for this company for 10 years. I was their general manager. So I was uh, the number one guy reporting to two non-Christian owners. 
and uh, went in for a regular meeting. And I had, what's really amazing is as I'm driving there, I'm calling you and talking about it. And you said, you had this premonition that, are you ready for them to let you go? And I'm thinking, what? And this is just our regular monthly meeting, honey. This you know, is, you had one of those when it came to homeschooling. I did. And this was mine, and I cannot account for it. I, I do not. That just had to be the Holy Spirit. I have no idea where that came from. Yeah, so I go into this meeting, and sure enough, it's my last day. They've uh, sold the business to their kids, and I'm not part of the management team going forward, even though I had helped grow this company five times over the uh, by multiple of five over the last 10 years. So I'm at the top of my game, and I'm out of work. Now, what's really fascinating to me in my own faith journey is I had gone to breakfast plenty of times with other good friends who had lost their job, and I remember praying with them, encouraging them, and leaving and saying, God, thank you that that's not my lot in life right now. Because mm. that was, I was always, I, I, my heart really went out to guys when they were out of work. You know, what do you do? What's your next steps? But God had prepared, had prepared me. And when I found myself in that position, I, I actually was not afraid. I didn't know what the future held. Don't get me wrong there. But I felt like, okay, God, where are you taking me next? Kind of like Abraham. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Let's do this journey. And it's not just because I was at the top of my game and had answers. I had no answers, but it's time. It's time for the change, and I'm excited to see where this all leads. Little did I know it would be a two-year journey. I was going to say, I mean, at the beginning, I I wasn't panicked either. And, you know, this is a free caveat. I remember as the kids were little, we had... Uh, the emergency rule, the number one emergency rule. Do you remember this? Because I just felt, I don't know why, I just felt like I needed to tell my kids, you know, what do you do in an emergency? At, at one point in our home education thing, I'm like, what are all the things that they would learn at school that I'm not teaching them here? Like stand in line, you know, what are the things? And I remember thinking emergency rules. We never talk about emergency rules. And so I would teach the kids one emergency rule, and do you, I'm sure you know. Oh, yeah, the number one emergency rule is don't panic. Right. And so it's so interesting to me and amazing how God has woven that in and out of our family's story. So when you, I don't know if you came home or called me, that, that, that day is a little fuzzy for me, but I remember I wasn't panicked either. Because I had confidence in your resume. I was sort of like, we got this. I mean, this is whatever. Well, this is 2006, so the economy yeah. is actually in pretty decent shape. Yeah. Uh, I had a great resume. Yeah. Um, had you know a little bit of severance to tide us over, had some savings to tide us over. So I remember the first question you asked us is, when will we be in, in emergency mode? Right. And I said, yeah. we're good for we're 12 good. months. Yeah. And, you know, and I'll surely be back in the saddle somewhere in a great situation within a year. Well, and I so was so ready. proud of you. I mean, you you had all your contacts that you went through. You contacted headhunters. I mean, I was really so proud of how you just hit it hard. Yeah, for someone who's generally an introvert and not one to be out there selling myself, I worked my network really strong and well and consistently and had something to do every day. And my network led me to many interesting places, mm -hmm. um, but uh, none of them panned out. No. And I'll just say, too, I mean, and I'm sure that 
those listening in the audience, you know, you, you get into a situation like this and, and you don't panic and you're just sort of like, wow, that just happened. And I didn't panic. Wow. I've grown a little bit. Maybe I'm not the immature person. I was the last time I got slapped in the face by hardness in life. Okay. But then if you're like me, you're just like, oh, but I know how this is going to work out. This is, this is going to, this is going to be great. And so we kind of thought we knew how this was going to pan out. Well, right. And, and to the confidence that you're describing. So this all happened in April of 2006. Mm-hmm. In October of 2006, several big things were happening that I already had plans for. You were turning 40 and our son was turning 16. And I was planning a big birthday party for the two of you in October. Mm-hmm. Well, we're unemployed. Right. I should probably scrap those plans. But I thought, no, I'm not going to not have a big birthday party for my wife and son just because I'm unemployed. So we invited a whole bunch of friends over. We had a hundred something friends over here. I paid for the food. Right. You know, it's a, it's a party. Come, you know, enjoy time with us. Dancing on the driveway. It was awesome. And uh, yeah, I'm unemployed right now, but you know, we'll, we'll make, we'll get there soon. Well, it was around this time that uh, I had been working my network and, uh, had made it to the final two or three in a couple uh, situations, but I didn't get the number one pick. So I'm still out of work, talking to some friends about how, you know, how the job search is actually going. And they said, well, Davis, what are you passionate about? I said, well, well homeschooling. I just don't know how to make a living doing that. Well, all the while I'd been looking to acquire a manufacturing company, an engineering company, a plastics company, all the things that I had been used to doing in my career. And they said, well, why don't you buy a homeschool company? And it's like a light bulb turned on. I said, well, that's, that's my entire volunteer world. I know the players. I know the market. That's actually a pretty good idea. Mm-hmm. And so I did my own market research real quick, uh, picked three companies that I thought might be good fits, called them out of the blue to see if they ever thought about selling their business. Apologia was one of them. And the first conversation lasted three plus hours. I mean, it was it, it was as though we'd been talking for months. He was ready, I was ready, and it looked like we had a solution. Right, and we thought this was just a matter of getting the funding, agreeing on a price, getting the funding, and we were going to be gone. Right, and that's what it was. The problem is that the banks that I was talking to saw this as too religious. It wasn't just a science company. It was a creation-based science company, and they didn't want to touch this religious uh, piece of it with a 10-foot pole. And so I actually have a letter uh, showing that I was declined alone for religious reasons. I have it framed in my office here. Uh, But I got that letter 13 or 14 months into the journey. Right. And so instead of getting an approval, we got a denial, and now we're in true emergency mode. Yeah, now this is when that not panicking thing really came in to play, the need to really not panic. So we had seven kids at home, no insurance. One of our kids had really bad asthma. We don't have income. We have a community that is literally bringing dinner in and putting it on the stove leaving groceries on our front porch, leaving gift cards in our mailbox. I mean, every one of our needs is being met, Davis. Right. I mean, we cannot deny that in the midst of this, where we didn't know what we were going to do, God was meeting our needs. He was, and it was, 
I literally um, picture it as though we were getting manna from heaven oh my goodness. on a daily basis. Yep. I wasn't getting a month supply or a three-month supply. Mm-mm. It was daily manna. And I couldn't collect two days' worth because it would rot. All I knew was what I was supposed to do today. And I have—you made notebooks— so we actually would copy the gift cards and the checks that people sent us. People sent us money out of the blue. People that we didn't even know knew what was going on. I mean, it was it was yeah. We have a whole notebook remarkable. of the testimony and the gifts that we received during that time to get us through the cards, uh, and then of course you know, all the other pieces of details in terms of working out the the deal. But so so I need to say this. So it was the end of summer of 2007 when mm-hmm. we were now in full emergency mode. Well, Wait, and there's a sign out front in front of our there's house. A, our house is for sale. And the game plan was we'd get the acceptance letter from the bank, and we'd you know, start we'd close on the business, and then in October of this year, we'd have another party celebrating the good news with all of our friends. See, we well, had a plan. We had a plan. <laughs> and But... That was not to be. So Mm-mm. one of the other really big steps of faith we took was when we got the denial letter, we're in emergency mode. I get my resume back on the street because apparently this deal is not going to happen. And we decided we're not going to let the devil steal a party for God, to praise mm-hmm. God. So we had a party that October, and the same 100, 120 friends came over I told them they need to bring 5 or $10 a piece to cover the food this time. Well, they brought their own food, if you remember. Everybody and, brought a casserole. And it was a praise him in the storm party, yeah. literally. That's what we called it. We worshiped God in the basement uh, of our house, and there were other stories. We weren't the only ones going through a trial. No. There were health issues. There were marriages that were struggling. Uh, there were kids that were going wayward. There was lots of things that people— might not want to praise God about, but we, we decided to praise Him anyways. Well, and that was actually when I had my epiphany, if you'll remember. We were sitting in the basement, and I was overcome. And I was overcome at several points. I feel like I would wake up every morning with a start going, oh, yeah, we're still, we are still unemployed. That's how I would wake up every morning. You know, the, uh, what's that movie, Groundhog Day? It it might make for a funny movie, but it doesn't make for a really funny existence when you wake up to a reality that you wouldn't choose and wish you could escape. And that's how I felt at this point in this journey. And we were sitting in the basement, and we were singing, Great is Thy Faithfulness, and there was not a dry eye. I mean, our kids were there, um, and it just occurred to me, it's like, it's like God said, do you see it? And I was like, what are you talking about? And I, it became clear to me that where we were and what God was doing with that manna every day and paying the mortgage on our house and putting food in the pantry and people sending us gift cards, people even sent us money so we could buy the kids shoes. I mean, it was, it was remarkable how thoughtful people were leaving, like I said, groceries on the front porch. I remember we got a phone call one night at 11.30 and someone said, I'm just calling to say that we just left stuff on your front porch, and I don't want the coons to get it because we kind of live out in the country. I mean, just the provision, you just could not miss how God was meeting our every need. And I remember we had a rule that if you found something, a gift card or a meal or something, that you had to come in because the kids fought over who got to go to the 
mailbox because there was always going to be something in the mailbox or someone was always going to knock on the door. And we said, we all need to celebrate these things. And so I was sitting in the basement. We're singing Great is That Faithfulness. And it occurred to me, this was God answering my prayer because I had prayed that God would be real to our kids. I didn't want God to be some far off, white haired, long beard deity that the kids didn't get who he was and that he wasn't real to them. He was just distant. I wanted him to be real to them. And I realized that through this valley, they were seeing God's community and God's people and God's provision. And it was answered prayer. Right. That's right. It was a, it was a sobering moment because you don't wish trials like this on anyone or yourself. No. But when when you have those moments of realization that God is working through this, you're you're glad to be a part of it. So it still took um, seven or eight months after that to get to the end because eventually I got a job to get some you know bread on the table, get some money flowing back in. Uh, but it was a temporary job. And during that time, I talked to more banks, found one that was open to giving us the final piece of uh, financing we needed to close the deal. And by the summer of 2008, we finally closed on the acquisition of Apology Educational Ministries and fell on our knees and just thanked God for getting us through. And I just want to say, too, that I I meant to say this earlier, but... The way we had already been as a family on our knees when we started homeschooling and through all the addition of the other four kids and then to slam into unemployment and all of the challenges we had there, already regularly being on our knees just came to be more meaningful. It wasn't something that we didn't do and then we started doing. It's like, that's where we went, and we would get on our knees, and we would cry out to God and thank God. And I was just so grateful that we had that. But if you're listening today and family worship and time on your knees with your spouse and or your kids is not a regular thing, I just want to encourage you, there's never a better time to start it than today. And that is something that we've carried forward. So God was faithful, and He He got us not just through that, Cross the finish line, but then we we had a praise him in the storm party, and then we had a thank you God party. Right, we had a praise him in the sun party that third oct- consecutive right. October. So we had the birthday party, the praise him in the storm party, and then the praise him in the sun party. And it's a, just a great reminder to our kids that we praise him no matter what our That's circumstance. Exactly right. We always praise him; he is always worthy. So, Davis, then in the subsequent years of owning Apologia, how many years has it been, and what? how has God shown you owning the company? And we heard about the fight to get the company, but now that you've owned the company, surely it hasn't just been all roses. Oh, no, it hasn't. It's been 15 years. It's been an amazing journey. Uh, it's it's the way, one of the ways I like to describe it. It's been very satisfying to help homeschooling families, mm-hmm. to help them by providing and publishing creation-based resources, science, math, and Bible, because the creation-evolution debate is alive and well. Um, we, we know what's going on in our world today, and there, there's animosity towards God if people even believe that He does exist, if they even believe that truth can be known. 
I mean, the worldviews are so upside down. People are looking at you know realities that aren't actual, and so all kinds of problems are coming in the world as a result. And so, what we're doing is work that is kingdom oriented, mm-hmm. that is God honoring, family focused, um, and just very satisfying to mm-hmm. help families who are coming to homeschooling and deciding to walk that journey of faith, which generally points them to God in some ways, in a, a reliance and trust. And so, yeah, satisfying is one of the best ways that I would describe what the journey's been like. And yet, like you say, it hasn't been all uphill. It's been, there's been some struggles, there's been difficulties, business issues, uh, 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 market issues, um, manufacturing issues. There, there's always something that gives us work to do, but more than anything, we're helping people who are doing something really big and important, and that's uh, their own homeschooling journey, which is a movement that is just, it's probably one of the most important cultural, social, and certainly educational movements of the last 50 years. So I am so happy to be a part of it. Yeah, I'm very grateful too, and I'm really most grateful for the opportunity God's given us to be a part of that, to help families. But as we're winding this up, I really want to get to where we are more personally now in our journey because we've graduated number seven. We've got an empty nest, but our story arc isn't over. It's true. still going on. God is still extending opportunities for you and I to trust and obey at really a deeper, a deeper, and dare I say, harder, more challenging level. What do we say to people out there who are facing the same thing, who are on this journey, want to be faithful, want to hold on, and God's continuing? How can we continue to lean into God? What has He taught you? You know, we've only had an empty nest, not even for a year yet. But what is God showing you as we look forward? Well, yeah, one of the things that I think in the years that I've lived so far is that it is a walk of faith. I mean, mm-hmm. you're saved by faith, but that's just the beginning. And mm-hmm. then you continually walk by faith as you're sanctified and you trust in God. And you, But then as time continues, your story arc mm-hmm. continues and, uh, and, and other chapters get added where you see how God was faithful, mm-hmm. where you see how well did you do in experiencing a trial with joy, or suffering with joy? How well did you do in praising God during the good times and the bad times? And so you you start seeing how you're growing, Mm -hmm. and you start realizing how faithful God is, Mm -hmm. so that when the next time comes, and it surely will, Mm -hmm. you can be ready to say, well, you know what? He got me through the last many trials. He's got me through the last many successes, how can I handle this one better than I did the last one? Right. Because he's tra- he wants to grow our character. He wants to transform us into the image of his son. Mm-hmm. And we have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. But by continuing to walk by faith and to trust him, we're on the right kind of direction, the right kind of path. Um, and it gives me hope for eternity. It gives me excitement yeah. for eternity. Uh, it reminds me that this really isn't 
our destiny and world, that there's a heaven with God in his presence that's so much better, that's so much more desirable. Um, But he's got work for us to do in this moment. Yeah, and it's a continual opportunity to trust and obey him, to trust and obey him, to trust and obey him, because he always proves faithful. Davis, last thing, uh, many of my audience may not realize that you and I do a podcast together. I would love for you to tell them about that and where they can connect with that. Yeah, so uh, we do. So Rachel does you know, her podcast, the Real Refreshment podcast right here. And then many other times, it's both of us talking on the Let's Talk Homeschool podcast. So we've been doing it for five years. Wow. Uh, every Monday, we drop a new episode. We talk about the who, what, when, where, why, and how of homeschooling. Uh, we want to infer, affirm and encourage families in the decision to homeschool, uh, inspire and challenge them to take it to new heights, and then celebrate all that is uh, possible to experience in what we like to call an adventure of a lifetime. Yeah. So that's what we do. That's what we talk about. And it, it's one of my favorite things to do with you is to talk about homeschooling to help and encourage families on the Let's Talk Homeschool podcast. So check it out. So over here, we primarily, I enjoy just talking to you moms about getting deeper into God's Word, getting to know God. And obviously, the the thing we have in common with Let's Talk Homeschool is it's a, all about trust and obey, right? And walking by faith. So thank you so much, all of you, for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. And again, I want to challenge and encourage you to consider your story arc, your journey of faith, those stakes in the ground where God has called you to deeper relationship with Himself. Mark the places on your journey where He's been kind and patient and merciful and gracious to you. And celebrate His goodness in your life. And I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. Hey, everybody. I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kynos Project Podcast where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word kainos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.